0: My apologies for that. Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you guys. Katie, I appreciate that last part. That is a song that I usually play most mornings when I'm preparing to preach. That's kind of my go-to song, like when I'm set it on the windowsill when I'm getting ready in the bathroom. Uh, And uh, that's my prayer. That we can take His word and we can shine it all around, um, and so we're going to be looking today. We're we're talking. We're in a series on Thanksgiving, on thankfulness. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to jump around quite a bit, but you can turn to Exodus. You can start there, and um, I just would like to pray, if that's okay. Lord, we come to you, God. We are opening Your Word. We're looking at your scripture, and we just want to see in it today the, the words that you have for us, the message that you have for us. Lord, uh, I open my heart to be changed um, as much as I'm able with, with the ability that I have, and I ask that the, those sitting here would do the same, that we would open our hearts to you, we'd open our ears to your word, we'd humbly uh, submit ourselves to, um, to your correction, to your instruction, to your leading. Uh, we know that... We trust you. We know that you're trustworthy. And so we lay our lives at your feet and ask you um, to do the work that needs to be done so we can be the people that you want us to be. Lord, we want to be people who inherit the promise. Lord, we want to move into the promised land. Um, And so we know that we want to, we need that right attitude. We need to see things correctly. We don't want our eye to be dark. Um, The eye is the lamp of the body, Lord. Give us the right perception as we look at the world, as we look... At you especially, uh, and that we would then believe the right way, and we would behave the right way. So we ask you to move and to teach us. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> All right, so we're on a we're in a series on on Thanksgiving, and obviously we're moving towards that holiday towards uh, towards Thanksgiving. It's November, right? Uh, it's hard to believe. Uh, it's a little bit crazy. And, you know, people get into kind of uh, arguments, I guess, or, you know, like little discussions online, like, you know, people are talking about when they decorate for Christmas, and, and you know, when one season ends and another season begins, or, you know, it's in the world they've moved on from, from Halloween, and, and, uh, and I saw a thing where somebody was like, you know, the first, whatever, when I don't even know when Thanksgiving is, first three weeks of November or Christmas, and then we take a break. And it's Thanksgiving, and then it's back to Christmas season. You know, they're putting up decorations, which, you know, is silly because the first few weeks of November are deer season, if you didn't know. Uh, there's something going on in uh, the biology of deer. I was thinking about it. I, I want my sons to go deer hunting with me just so they can see, like, the dangers of recklessly abandoning all sense to whatever's going on hormonally inside your body in pursuit of females. Um, That's why we had goats, and I I think, you know, goats can teach my daughters, like, you want to stay away from, uh, especially like junior high and high school boys, and then my sons can see the dangers of deer hunting. If you've ever had goats, they're just, they're weird, and they're, uh, it's just odd, the way that they behave in trying to to woo the female uh, of their breed. So anyway, um, it's it's always a season for thanksgiving, right? It's always a good time. It's always the right time to give thanks. It's always the right time to give praise to the Lord. Whatever season you're in, the right thing to do is to give thanks. Scripture tells us over and over that we're to abound in thanksgiving. We're to give thanks in all circumstances. Even when we face trials of various kinds, we're to rejoice We're to give thanks. We're to praise. We're to worship the Lord. It's the right response to whatever situation you're in. Because of who God is. Because of who God is. Just like Phyllis was saying, this ties in so well. Whatever you're needing, God is the answer. You need a deliverer. I know some of you need deliverance from the things that you're facing, from the hardships from the, the health struggles, from the, the, the situations, the conflicts that you're in, you need delivered. You need the Lord. Some of you need provision. You're facing a, a deficit. You're facing a debt, and you need provision. And there's a God who calls himself Jehovah Jireh, the provider. My Lord God, the provider. He's a provider. Whatever situation you're in, you need the Lord. He is the answer. So, Phyllis, it's, it's spot on. And so the right response is to praise and to give thanks. We're going to be looking at Exodus. And I feel like this is kind of hard for me because I feel like I've preached this message several times. I've talked about grumbling in the wilderness. Have you ever heard, I mean, maybe you don't remember. But I know I've talked about it a lot because maybe I just need to remember. I've talked about grumbling and, and how God views it um, and, and what a serious issue It is when that complaining is in our lives. Now we're looking at the exodus. This story is a beautiful picture of our life uh, with Christ, our walk with Christ. Uh, It begins in slavery. It begins in bondage. The people are in bondage. And and what do they do? What, What happens that initiates this exodus is that their cries, the Lord hears their cries, right? They're crying out. And I would propose to you that there is a difference in crying out to the Lord and making your situation known to Him, bringing it before Him. There is a difference in bringing that to the Lord and in the grumbling and complaining that we're going to see. There's a difference. You can cry out to the Lord. I'm not saying don't talk about your situation. Bring it to the Lord You know, he he sees it, but you can tell him about it. Let him know how you feel about that. And then you actively await a step of obedience and his deliverance. He'll give you, this is an action you take. This is something you do. This is something you stop doing. I, I would say that if you're in a situation, that's the first thing you need to do. Don't pick up your phone. Don't complain to your friends. Don't post it on uh, social media. You guys ever, like, there's some pages that I follow that, or that people I know, it's like, it's just a daily complaint. I mean, it's something about their kitchen or about their car or about their yard or about their work or about their neighbor. It's just, there's people who are really skilled at grumbling. Okay? Uh. I want to be really skilled at giving thanks. I'm not a skillful musician, but I want to be more skilled at giving praise. I don't think, I mean, I might pick up an instrument and practice. I'm not going to be up here, okay? we got plenty of talented people, which I really appreciate them leading us. What they do is important because it's like a reboot. It's a reset. We're establishing our, our attitude before the Lord. We're realigning ourselves. Exodus is a picture of our walk with Christ. There's the Passover, the salvation. They were covered by the blood, right? And the curse of death passed over them. That's coming to Christ, believing in what he did on his work on the cross. They passed through the the Red Sea. That's baptism. They passed through the waters. They leave the bondage, and they're in transition to the promised land. Now, they're regularly seeing God's hand at work. They're seeing God destroy their enemies, punish their enemies, and deliver them out of that place and provide for them. We have uh, Exodus 14 is the Red Sea. Exodus 15, there's the song of Moses and Miriam. It's a psalm of deliverance. And then we come to the end of Exodus 15 um, and it's the the song no their song celebrating their victory no longer gets no sooner it gets over, and um, they go three days they're traveling and they don't find water. And they they come to this place, and it says the people verse twenty four in chapter fifteen the people grumbled against Moses saying what are we to drink? Moses cried out to the Lord. They came to this water Mara they called it it was bitter, and so you can imagine. There's like a little bit of elation, like, oh, we came to this place, and there's water. And then there's disappointment. The water is too bitter to drink. They grumble to Moses. They complain. um, And the Lord provides a solution. He finds a piece of wood. He throws it in the water. It becomes fit to drink. And it says, the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do His right in His eyes... If you pay attention to the commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So they found deliverance, and they were brought to a place of rest. I think uh, it uses the word grumbled. That's not crying out. It's not seeking the Lord. They're beginning to grumble. Their attitude is a state of grumbling and complaining. And yet, God is merciful. There's sometimes when we don't approach situations right, and He still brings us through them. He still meets our needs. I'd say you're sitting here in this chair today. God is meeting your needs. He's giving you breath, He's giving you sustenance. Uh, you arrived, you've made it. And then He gives them rest 12 springs, 70 palms. Sounds like a good camping spot. You know, I'd like to go there. Verse 16, they set out, they came to the desert of Sin, which is an interesting name. Uh, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Now, you know, if you know me, I, I'm a big fan of pots of meat, you know. Uh, amen. I mean, there's nothing I like more than a meat pot. Um, yeah, does that ring a bell? I've, I've said this before, you know. I've, we've preached this stuff. Uh, and they come, and they complain. And we see again, the Lord provides manna. He provides quail. And then in chapter 17, they're thirsty for water. They're complaining again. And what we see in, this, in Exodus, in, the, in this book, in the book of Exodus and in the book of Numbers, we see three grumblings. We see three grumblings. And they see the deliverance of the Lord, and yet when they face the next trial, they forget. They forget. And they grumble. And these people... In this group, they were delivered from slavery, and they were given promises that they never inherited. And you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I used to watch a lot of documentaries. I don't, I don't get to watch that much TV anymore, but um, I used to really enjoy documentaries. I was thinking, this is a documentary. And some docu- people that film documentaries, they'll have hours and hours and hours of footage. And they will edit that down to emphasize certain points and to tell a story, uh, and they may have good content, you know, if you watch like a director's cut, they'll have good content that they leave out, uh, because maybe it doesn't, they're they're shaping the narrative. And I was thinking in the book of Exodus, the Holy Spirit is shaping this documentary. The Holy Spirit is emphasizing certain things to make a point that that the Holy Spirit wants to stand out. Just like, Somebody who makes a documentary, edits a film, they would do. And the Holy Spirit puts these grumblings together to show us how serious this attitude is. Alright? When you think about the Israelites in the wilderness, what usually comes to mind? I mean, we think about magnificent deliverance, manna. Manna on the ground, quail from heaven, which is pretty awesome. Um, But we think about them grumbling. And this generation had to die off. They weren't able to inherit the promises. Now, I bet 600,000 men, all these people, there were other sins that were being committed, I would guess. And there are recordings of other sins. But the emphasized situation is their grumbling, which reveals an attitude of unbelief in their hearts. You know... Uh, you guys know I love the book of Hebrews, and in Hebrews chapters 3, in Hebrews chapter 3, uh, you know, the Bible is just like, just references itself over and over. It's cross, cross-referenced. It, it remem- remembers back. It quotes back. It points back all the time, and I'm really interested in those moments. So we have Hebrews 3, which is pointing at Psalms 95, which is pointing to Exodus and Numbers. But if you look at Hebrews 3, 7, um, well, I just, I got to read the whole chapter, I'm sorry, but Hebrews 3, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, okay, he's addressing a group of people who have a heavenly calling, just like the people in Exodus. He's telling us to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Alright? Here's your situation. Whatever your situation, here's your solution. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. In Revelation, it says that the overcomers, they overcame. Do you know how they overcame? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Just like in Exodus. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, and they could have overcome by their testimony if only they would tell themselves the things that had happened a couple weeks before. You remember that miraculous time when you passed through the parted waters and the whole Egyptian army was wiped out? They would overcome by the remembrance of the blood and the remembrance of their testimony. You overcome by fixing your thoughts on Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, He tells us over and over and over, pay attention. And then he quotes Psalm 95. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. They didn't remember or they didn't believe that God was consistent. He's a deliverer. And he will remain a consistent deliverer. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they've not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, They shall never enter my rest. They didn't enter the promise because of their attitude, which was manifested in their grumbling. Their unbelief manifested in complaining and grumbling. Our belief is manifested in thanksgiving and praise. That's how it's shown. We give thanks. We praise. We worship. It explodes out of our mouth. It ought to. It comes out of our hearts. It says in Hebrews 3, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See, the result of a sinful and unbelieving heart is grumbling, I would say, is complaining. Now, I want to make that distinction. If you're in a situation, and you're overwhelmed, and you're suffering, and you're hurting, you are, I want you to feel free to cry out with raw emotion To the Lord. But you have to remind yourself of who the one that you're calling out to is. And what he does, what he has done, and what he will do. I don't want you to bottle up. I don't want you to to fake it or pretend if you're in a dark and hurting place. But if you're a person who every single day of your life, no matter what it is, your initial reaction is just to complain just to gripe, just to to rant, I would challenge you, please, I beg you to look at your heart, fix your eyes on Jesus, to check yourself for that unbelief. In Hebrews 12, he says, uh, verse 15, the writer, again, he's he's referring to bitterness. It's It's a hearkening back. He's talking about a root of bitterness. He's reminding them when a a Hebrew reads this, they'll think bitterness, they'll think bitter waters, they'll think the wilderness, they'll think testing. He tells them in Hebrews 12, 15, uh, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Uh There was one translation I read. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. I think ESV says, see that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. When you miss the grace of God, when you miss it, when you don't get it, when you don't see it, when you don't obtain it, when you fall short of it, when you don't believe it, when you don't grab hold of it, the trials of life will lead you to grumbling and to complaining To a root of bitterness. He references Esau. Esau missed the grace of God. He handled lightly his inheritance and, and the promise. He handled it lightly. He didn't care for it. He didn't cherish it. He didn't value it. And he missed it. And he wept bitterly when he realized the outcome of his actions. I wish, I hope there's a weight to this that maybe exceeds me or my presentation. The Holy Spirit, I've, I'm putting before you, the Holy Spirit edited the book of Exodus, the book of Numbers, to emphasize the dangers of grumbling, which really is the fruit of a bitter heart that doesn't see the grace of God. You don't see what God did, and you think, God is holding out on me. God doesn't care about my situation. God... Isn't powerful enough or important enough for me to concentrate on or, or focus on or to follow. Um, you, you're unbelieving. You're not believing. And it, it goes back to the garden, the accusations that the serpent made. Did God really say he's holding out on you? He knows there's a better way. They want to go back to the slavery that they lived in because they're hungry or they're thirsty. Don't sell your inheritance for... What what did Esau sell his inheritance for? A pot of meat, right? Yeah. I wonder if that's like a... There's a theme there. All right. Listen, brothers and sisters. Give thanks. Proverbs tells us a cheerful heart. Merlin's my go-to, and I, I don't know... I don't want to put pressure on you. It's medicine. It's good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones, right? Um, You know, like I was listening. I was trying to find some other people preached on this, and there was a pastor. This is his words, not mine. But he's like, "There's people when that phone rings and you see their number, you know. There's grumbling and complaining, right? He's like, "There's some people that are just great at it. They're just skilled." We said there's some people where the phone rings and you know that they have a testimony or they have an encouragement or they have a word. And I think every one of us, if given the choice, we would rather be the latter. We want to be the people that give encouragement. We want to be people that breathe life into a relationship. We want to breathe life when we enter a room. When you have an exchange with someone, whether it's at the grocery store, or it's your friend, or it's in your house, you want to breathe life. You want to give hope. You want to bring grace into that situation. I think every one of you, if you said, do I want to be this person? You would say, yes, I want to be that person. It starts by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Remembering, first of all, the blood that was shed. We're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. And when you begin to focus on the blood of the Lamb and remember what He's done, and think about how good the Father is, and maybe you think, I don't have a testimony, but I've got a problem. If you fix your eyes on Jesus pretty soon, you'll have a testimony for the next time. It doesn't mean you won't have any more problems. You're just going to accumulate more testimonies. And the problems, unfortunately, they might get bigger because God wants to show you how big He is. And that brings us to James, where I, I kind of want to wrap up. I, I didn't even look at my time, but um, James says, in verse right off the bat, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be com- mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. So here's what you do. If you have a problem, you ought to take in your mind who God is, what God's done. And when you put that math together, the the equation on the other side of that equal sign, it should be pure joy. All right? When you do the Bible math, you take your problem... You take who God is, you take what God's done, the equal sign, pure joy, and I would just say that if that's not the solution, okay, it just means that we got to meditate more, we got to study Scripture more. We we need an adjustment, And, and if you need if you're not getting that equation, maybe you just need to add in some thanksgiving and some worship to your problem. You know, God inhabits our praise. We sang about that today. The says he inhabits the praise of his people. So you just need more God in your situation? Bring some more praise, and he'll inhabit that. I don't want to uh, downplay or simplify the painful struggles that we experience in life. But God wants to show himself to us. And I think that's why James adds in verse 5, If you lack wisdom, you should ask God. You know, I, I had a conversation with a friend. He's in this room. And, um, uh, you know, like you've, you've faced really difficult, challenging, ongoing problems. You pray for wisdom. Okay? And you trust that God will give you an answer. You ask without doubting God's going to give me an answer. He's going to give me a solution. He's going to give me deliverance, or he's going to give me wisdom, and then he's going to give me deliverance. Um, and. Uh, it was, it seems like, anyway, I was um, praying about different situations and things people are going through, and, and I hadn't thought about it in a while, and the Lord brought to my mind fasting. And then I was sharing that with his friend, and he's like, two or three other people had asked me if I'd fasted about this situation. And another friend was, wants to, you know, have it set aside at a time to seek the Lord and to worship and to pray in this situation. And I think that's James 5. It's like, we come up to a problem, we pray about it, we're seeking wisdom, here's some wisdom. You do something, you don't do something. You fast, you don't eat, we're going to see God move. I believe it. All right. So, in this season of Thanksgiving, uh, let's worship God, let's remember what He's done and who He is, and let's give Him praise. We're going to take communion, uh, And so, this is ultimately remembering the blood of the Lamb that was shed, that was the Lamb that was slain. This is a symbol of how great God's love is, the lengths that He will go to, to redeem us, to buy us into His family, to purchase us. And, um, as we take that, let's... let's Ask God to adjust our attitude, to increase our faith, to increase our belief in the things that we're facing, regarding the things that we're facing, and to give us wisdom about how to move forward. I pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. We want to see your word in the way that you want it to be seen. We want to believe your word in the way that you want it to be believed. We want to live your word in the way that you want it to be lived. And so we ask you to help us. We ask you to lead us. We ask for wisdom. I ask for wisdom on behalf of uh, those here. I know that um, there's decisions and there's challenges and there's difficulties and there's hardships facing every one of us. And I believe that you'll give us uh, hope that you have the answer and that you'll give us something to obey in faith, trusting you and moving in that direction. And we'll see your hand. We'll see your goodness in the land of the living. Bless these people, Lord. Let us be people of encouragement, people who breathe life into the relationships that we have, who bring uh, encouragement and hope, who build up, not wear out, who we strengthen, not wear down, who we see hope and solutions and not see problems and hopelessness. We want to see your kingdom come, God. We want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you are if you want to see God's will done in your life on earth as it is in heaven, you know in heaven there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more tears, there's no more disease, there's no more sin. If you want to see God's will done in your life on earth as it is in heaven. Just stretch your hands up, please. God, we're hungry for you. We're desperate for you, God. We're crying out. We don't want to grumble, but we're crying out. We need you, God. Lord, you see our hearts. You see these people. Lord, I ask you to move, for my brothers and sisters. I ask you to move in their families. I ask you to move upon their children, God. I ask you to move in their marriages, Lord. We look to you. We know who you are. We believe what you've said. We know what you've done. Help us to overcome. Give us wisdom to move forward, God. Give us a step to obey, to trust, to exercise our faith. Lord, give us testimonies. Give us testimonies. Give them testimonies, God. I pray in Jesus' name. The worship team does.